Battle of the podcast that we had that started about three weeks ago. We finished. We, we, we're all finished up, and so we're going to review our teams, and we're going to review the, review the draft, and we're going to look at um, our strategy. We're going to look at what we would have done differently if the draft had started today. So again, um, you can follow Craig at uh, Craig at CMG five twenty three. I think it is. Yep, that's right. And then obviously Chris at Baseball Pods. What's up, guys? How you doing, guys? Doing well. We're surviving, huh? <laughs> so far, so good. First, first, first video uh, podcast here. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit different. Yeah, well, it took quarantine, and this is like the only way to feel like we're getting some human contact, right? This is social distancing. <laughs> well, definitely, this is some social distancing. Um, yeah, it's a little, like, it's a little more nerve wracking when you can actually see me stumble through the stuff through the, through the opening. <laughs> so, it's a little tough. Yeah, so. We're going to look at the draft. I think, um, I don't know, if we, we had the draft pulled up on um, on our Skype call so we can all see it, but I, I have it pulled up on my computer in front of me. I'm sure you guys do as well. So we were talking a bit beforehand, and what we decided we're going to do is we're going to first look go through each of our teams. So um, what I'm going to ask is for Chris to maybe go through his team. He was picking from the, um, looking through here, you were picking from the 10 slot. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask. You're very clean shaven out there, Zach, in Toronto. I was just gonna ask Craig if that's a if that's a quarantine beard or if that's like something that's been part of his look for a while now. Nah, yeah, it's. Uh, I think after I had kids, I just it became the. I'm really happy that beards are in vogue right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more clean shaven than I normally am because I I decided to shave my like whatever beard I had off because of like just the the COVID going around. I just figured like. There's less chance of germs attaching to my face. Oh. Yeah, I, I feel like I put on 25 pounds in my face. I was staying this way for a while. I've had it for about 20 years. But anyway, uh, so back to my team. I mean, this is like a really competitive uh, draft. I felt uh, for the record, and I think you, we've talked about this um, a little bit offline as well. I, what I wanted to come out of for the first two rounds was I wanted two hitters that uh, contributed across all five categories. I think I got them in Lindor and Marte. Um, I was pretty excited about that. And then I just banged three, like, steady Eddie veteran starters that I think should put up 175 to 200 innings with about a strikeout per inning. To but they might my- not survive this kind of coronavirus crisis. They're in the, that age group. Yeah, I know, man. Kershaw, <laughs> Morton, and Greinke. Yeah, it's not it's not looking good for them. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I just figured they would give me a good floor, and then I just was going to focus on hitters and closers for like the next ten or eleven rounds. And um, I mean, independent of the coronavirus, in all seriousness, I mean uh, Trey Mancini. Obviously, I picked him before the significant news uh, came out about him, and obviously our thoughts are with him as he tries to overcome what appears to be a form of cancer, uh, and that's going to be a a serious thing to overcome. But I was pretty happy, uh, to be honest. Uh, I didn't 
love my closers like Workman and Kennedy. I wanted to get, I thought I was going to get better closers in around 10 or 11. So that's, those were, that's kind of the, the when I look back on it, I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, but um, I feel like my starters are as good as anyone else. And I really like what I did with my hitters um, with, uh, with, with, the Nora Marte giving me a really good floor, and then getting some guys like Josh Bell, Mike Mustakis, Elvis Andrews, Chris Davis, just some guys that are going to accumulate um, across a, a lot of the categories. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll obviously, uh, all of our fantasy worlds are in turmoil, and we'll see how these turn out. But uh, I, I was pretty satisfied with the execution of my plan, at the very least, with the exception of uh, I, I wanted – I was hoping to get closures instead of Brandon. If I if I had Ken Giles and say uh, I don't know uh, Taylor Rogers instead of Brandon Workman and Ian Kennedy, I would have been ecstatic. Uh, Workman and Kennedy, I think, are a level below, so not necessarily exactly what I was going for, but I'll take it. I'm just lucky to see what you could have had instead of Kennedy. Um, you could have taken Leclerc. Yeah, I was. Yeah, no. So Kel is a hothead who was going to lose his job eventually because everyone hates him. And uh, Leclerc, I, th- I think Kennedy's skills are better than Leclerc's. I think Kennedy's actually a, he was a little slept on last year because you know he's a Royals closer, he's a failed starter, he's bounced around from the Yankees and the Diamondbacks to everywhere else. And but he he really had a nice little skill set there in in Kansas City. And and the other thing about I, I feel about that is I feel like he's got good job security. When I'm looking at closers, job security is more important to me than skills. It's one of the only areas where role is more important than skills, you know, to, to quote the old Ron Chandler, uh, you know, the old Ron Chandler uh, saying. But, like, if, I'd have, I'd, if I didn't, I'd have taken Joe Jimenez over Leclerc or Keeler for me because I think Jimenez is good, has got a better hold on the job. There. Where did he go? Jimenez, because closers went earlier than um, typically they go in this draft. This draft is this draft is a lot different than a lot of drafts that I've done, and I've done quite a few. Um, I think it's it's a it was a function of who was in this draft because it was um, it was loaded with good players, and also um, it was closer to um, the season, which um, a lot a lot of the different values that you were uh, accustomed to getting before no longer exist because that. Um, the spread of information and um, hype, I what you call it, just, uh, just accumulates. Now, Jimenez went afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I, I, you, you brought up Leclerc and Keela. Oh, I'd rather okay. that as than, than, than one of them. I, by the way, in terms of, like, some of the hitter values, some of the guys that I've just been getting uh, all all season. So, like, uh, I've, I've got Brandon Nimmo. I'm, like, outside of Brandon Nimmo, I'm the president of the Brandon Nimmo fan club. <laughs> nice. I like him, too. Um, Tanha in the 16th, I thought was like a really good grab. And then, um, like going later, a guy that I would never grab in a traditional NFBC 15 or uh, was, but in this format, Brandon Crawford, you're looking for accumulators in this league and he should be starting every day and getting at bats in San Francisco. And that's an example of a guy that is unique to this format that I would never grab anywhere else. Right, and uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at your team. What I like about your team is um, I, I like to start um, your cl- um, I like I like the two I like your um, Lindor Marte start. Obviously, getting Marte at uh, 2.6 is a lot later than I've seen him go in a lot of drafts. Um, and then looking down your team, 
Um, Kalenic, you got him in the 27th round. That's a nice little upside play. And then the one, the one thing I want to point out, you got Rich Hill in the 29th round, which you would never be able to get Rich Hill in the 29th round anymore because the, you know the season is going to start um, much later. Um, the only, the only thing is, like you said, you're not entirely comfortable with your closers, given um, they they went quicker than I thought, and I guess um, they went quicker than you thought. But I noticed you don't really, you didn't really load up in any, um, well. Any, I guess, you have some relievers you, you took in the back end of this draft, but there's not any relievers that are sort of like that incumbent to the role. Like, they're more of like a, a speculation on a speculation, if anything, right? So yeah. I don't know what your thoughts were on, I guess, not getting a guy like um, like um, maybe the Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal or yeah. who, who the other, or the, whoever, whoever's second in line, I think Barnes on the, on the, on the Red Sox or even someone like um, Kyle Crick. Um, something like that. Yeah. Like you don't like the, the closest thing that I see is um, Chad Green. Yeah, well, Green, Green, and then the, I also took Brebby and Gantt on the Cardinals. I think those guys are kind of like if Gallego. I think I like Gallego, so I think he's going to be fine. But if he doesn't, that's kind of my hedge there. And then I threw a dart at Pedro Baez late. I mean, I think he's maybe the guy in LA if, if Kenley doesn't if it doesn't work out with him. But you're totally you're totally right. Like that's definitely. Um, Definitely not. And just on the on the Kalanick, I didn't just do Kalanick. I did the Fraley Kalanick stack because I figure like Fraley's going to have the job, and if Kalanick comes up, you know, like I, that that was the idea there was to try to get. I took two of the those two guys who would t- pick twenty five and twenty seven. I I think they both have power speed, and uh, maybe it's Fraley for the first half, Kalanick for the second half. That's what I was thinking. Or we just might have a second half only. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I like that. I, I did. Uh, I did the same thing in another draft where I took uh, 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 Joe Adele. I uh, handcuffed him with um, Brian. Um, God, what's his name? Is holding Goodwin? the job for? Was that? Yeah, Brian Goodwin. Same yep. thing. It's pretty reliable handcuff there. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, st- those stacks. Like uh, me and John from MLB Moving Averages. Whenever he's on the show here, we always talk about stacking players. We talk. We talk about the Braves um, back end of their starting rotation. We talk about the um, the Oakland A's second base job. So I think the, the Seattle outfield is another great uh, great thing to stack. Yeah. I think uh, Chris, one of the, uh, one of the things you did great was um, the balance that you that you did getting. Obviously, Marte in the second round, Starling Marte. Uh, a lot of people they always kind of, you know, bank that and then they wait too long. Getting Andrus and Colton Wong, where you did, was, you know, and then you also filled in that power and all those picks in between with Josh Bell, Mustakis, Mancini, and Chris Davis. I mean, that is such a solid uh, balance base that you had there. Uh, I thought that was really well done. And that yeah. showed that showed in our projections too, because uh, Chris was uh, leading the way in our project in our projections based on Steamer uh, throughout throughout a lot of this draft. I I, I think I, I I liked it. I feel like uh, I thought I had a better average base than looking at when I looked at the projections. The average was lower than I wanted it to be. Um, so I think that's one thing where I got caught a little bit short. Um, was the batting average could have been a little bit higher, but. Um, 
Yeah, that was the idea. Get, get five categories early. Hell, Starling Marte went second overall in a recent TGFP. I saw, I saw that. <laughs> on the wow. it, was, it was an accident. It was an accident. I'll take, oh, I'll was take it, it actually an accident? You, yeah, yeah. The guy, guy, the guy, apparently, apparently it was. Uh, I think I'm trying to remember who, who uh, someone someone tweeted about this. Another guy in the league tweeted that um, the, the guy, the second overall pick, he went to get a drink. The draft started before he did. And he had put Starling Marte in there, so we didn't forget him in the second. But uh, <laughs> like, oh. got him, and then he, he got auto picked, so he definitely got out. Oh. But um, but I think the thing that I the, what I liked about this was like I I felt like starting pitchers. So right when we were taking this, we were talking about this it was like the beginning of March. Starting pitchers were going so high. I was just like, God, like I got to figure something out. So I was like, let me go with these old, boring veteran starters: Kershaw, Morton, Greinke. Like I should be able to get. You know, close to 600, you know, strikeouts with a solid ratio base. And then, especially in a league like this where you're just going to throw a ton of darts anyway, like, why not throw a ton of darts? And I, the other stack that I kind of did. You never, I, throw darts. you never throw darts. There are no darts. I so, I, so when you look at my, the other, the other stack that I did here was the Dodgers, the back end of the Dodgers rotation. I saw so that too. Man, I've, got Wood, I've got Dustin May, I've got Ross Stripling, and I've got the other guy that I've got every other draft on God's Green Earth, Tony Gonsolin. So, like, you know, everybody, I've got like the, you know, and then with Kershaw on top. So, I figure one point of the, at one point in the year, I should have three of all of the uh, Dodgers starting five pitch of uh, the, Dodgers rotation, I should have three of them. And uh, if things go well, and maybe, you know, and, and that should, I think, give me a good base as well. Right on. All right, um, Craig, do you want to take a look at your team? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, this, uh, for me, I've never, uh, I didn't, I didn't have any drafts out of the three slot all year. Uh, and I've never owned Yelich anywhere, so that was kind of a, a nice thing. I was, I probably would have taken him at one, uh, just because I wanted to have him somewhere. Um, but the way this draft went, I mean, this, this, you know, this room was even more so than TGFBI. Um, this was the toughest room I, I, I've had, and you know, it was just the entire draft, all 50 rounds. There was just no value to be had. Any plan that I was kind of uh, tentatively sticking to just got blown up. Uh, you know, this is the third league I've had with, uh, with Ralph. Uh, so he and I, he's in a third of my leagues, uh, and he was picking right next to me in this one too, but, um, just coming back around, you know, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Devers, JD, uh, and Bieber went all right before me. Uh, so I ended up taking Strasburg in the second, which is not typically something I would do. Um, and I was kind of hoping to, to double down with uh, Luis Castillo, but of course, uh, Curlin went and took him. Uh, and I, so I got two guys in the second and third round, Strasburg and Glaber Torres, that I'm not fans of. Um, but this just goes to show you, like, this is this is kind of a trust your board type thing where uh, it ended up working out. Uh, I loved getting Cindergaard in the fourth and then Bichette. So, you know, having Yelich and Bichette there, I, I just find that's a nice, uh, solid category base. And I like the Strasburg Cindergaard pairing. Um, you know, Nelson Cruz was in the sixth, was a pick oh, that I, I love, you know, love it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love it. And, and I, you know, I've, I've either got Cruz or Chris Davis 
or actually or, or Alvarez in just about every draft. Um, but it, it does hurt you later, like where you're, you know, there's tremendous value somewhere. You're loaded up on corner. Um, so you end up leaving somebody on the board. But, you know, I just Cruz is just a monster. Uh, he helps in everything except speed. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, there's, there was like Kyle Hendricks to me is a value in every draft. And the fact that I was able to get him um, really helped with the possible ratio hit. If, if Thor doesn't have a big year, uh, you know, I've got the strikeouts with Strasburg and Syndergaard, and then I've got the ratio help with Kyle Hendricks. Uh, and then you knew I was going to get Julio Urias. I mean, after talking him up in the last pod I was on, <laughs> uh, you know, in the debate with uh, Luzardo and all those guys, um, you know, just, you know, and now it's looking even better. Um, you know, oh, when looks amazing. He went, he went, I'm, I'm in a draft right now with um, Mike Basado. He dragged me into one of his drafts and he's, uh, he's uh, texting me every minute. If I'm literally like four minutes on the clock, he's texting me. He's like, what, are you, what can you possibly be doing right now? And, um, <laughs> that he sounds just, awful. Yeah, he, he texted me like, I was on the clock, it was like midnight, 12 12.33 on the clock, I'm sleeping. And he's texting me, he's like, what could you possibly be doing right now? And then when I'm not making my pick, it's like three minutes gone. And I'm like, what, what could I possibly be doing? I'm sleeping. Um, anyway, yeah, so, he's yeah, a master head gamer. <laughs> my, my point here is that Urias, just much like the, my comment for um, for Chris with um, with uh, Rich Hill, you're never getting Julio Urias in the 11th round anymore. Never. Um, yeah. He went, I think... Uh, Around 110 ish um, in the new draft, I, and I was gonna, I was gonna take him. I was gonna take him before um, 120, I think. I was, I have the, I, I got the first pick in that draft, and I would have taken Arias on the, on the next turn, but he got sniped way earlier than I even thought. I think I, I, on the 119, 120 turn, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm getting Arias like 30, 30 slots ahead of ZDP. I should be good there. Uh, nope, wasn't. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's potentially a top 10 pitcher this year if he's, especially with a shortened season as it is, uh, he's just, he's so filthy. Um, what, was one of my what was one of my bold predictions uh, uh, at the start of this year when we did the, those bold predictions? I said, Urias will, will be a better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw this year. Um, yeah, but now, I actually now, like so Kershaw, though. Like, no, I like Kershaw. Kershaw, I don't mind him, but I'm just saying that, that was a bold prediction. But I'm saying it's sort of like, it, it it's it's got a lot better chance of coming true because of I guess a fluke now. But uh, well, the fact that Kershaw went to drive line. I mean, if you think about uh, you know Verlander. So Verlander in, in his last years in Detroit, he fell off. Uh, he you know went to Houston, and then it was like a rejuvenation. Uh, but because he kind of had to reinvent himself a little bit. I mean, you know, Verlander still got just a perfect. Uh, mechanics and just nasty stuff, but and Kershaw's having to do that kind of reinvent himself type thing. But if if somebody can do that and have like a a second, um, you know, peak in his career, uh, he's a guy I think that could do that. And people are still sleeping on him. That's why I like that value that you got there. Um, yeah, I, I I do too. But I I love the Kyle Hendricks pick. Um, I think that he's like. You know, in a draft like this, you, I mean, in any draft, frankly, I think Hendricks is going for below value. I thought he was a love. Like, when you think, like, Strasburg and Syndergaard are a lot of risk, right? I mean, in their own way. I mean, Strasburg's got the injury risk. Syndergaard, God, if he ever just decided that he wanted to learn how to pitch instead of just throw, he'd be, like, one of the best pitchers in baseball. But even as just a thrower, 
I think I, I think the value you got on him was good, but I love the way you backed him up with Hendricks. And in a weird way now, like, although Urias was a risk in a best ball league, I don't think he's a risk because I feel like whenever he throws, he's going to be, like, aces, right? So, yeah. and then the other thing, the, but my favorite pick probably from where you got him the entire draft for you is Forrest Whitley. Just because, I mean, to get him in the 27th round, I mean – I, you know, James Anderson has him still the number one pitching prospect in baseball. He's probably one A or number two behind Mackenzie Gore for me. Um, and like, just to think about like, you got a guy that is going for me. I think is everyone's. I'm not a. I'm not a huge on Kyle Tucker, like in terms of the Astros and the way that they're playing him, because I feel like there's something extra going on there, and the way that they've tried to avoid not playing him. You'll notice I like. I, 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 I think I have Reddick on this team. I can't keep all my teams together, but I drafted Reddick specifically because of that. But, like, Whitley, man, I mean, he, he could be in the opening day rotation on day one, whenever our opening day is going to be number one. And even if he wasn't going to be now, he'd be up in May, I think, for sure. And I just feel like that guy is, like, ready. Uh, and I, I mean, in round 27, you've got a guy that could be a number two starter. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Outside. You know what? I, I'm I'm in this I'm in this draft right now. I'm almost up. It's round 32, and this is a draft like full of sharks. With um, like he's 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 handpicked all these guys, and uh, Whitley's still available in round 32 right now. I'm two it's two picks away from me. crazy. I mean, you, so, you, you, so, you might you might you might have made up my mind for myself there. <laughs> well, like look look we we all have our own like people. I, I think there's a ton of great uh, prospect analyzers out there i have yet to find like james anderson is that's where i start for like prospect like fantasy prospect analysis i should say you know not taking away from like john sickles and keith law and 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 you know the more traditional guys but james i think does probably like he's i disagree with him sometimes and he's you know whatever like we're all imperfect but like He's where I start. When I, if I like the first place I go to, like say, if I haven't heard of a guy, let's see what James says. That's where I go. And so I think he's, you know, if not the number one, one of the top three or four, uh, you know, handful of uh, prospect experts, along with like Chris Welsh and and, uh, and and you know Eric Cross and others. But um, and so for the fact that he's got Whitley number one still, is, and like if you can get the number one pitching prospect in baseball in the twenty seventh round in a best ball league. I mean, you do that. You just do that. Like, every, every, you know, seven days a week and twice on Sunday, man. No, when you say basketball, this, this is this is the draft champions league, right? It's not like. It, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Still draft and hold, though. Yeah, it's draft um, and hold. That's what I mean. I know, yeah, I know you meant it, but I just want to clarify. For yeah, I mean, one one of the things though, uh, some signature things that happened in this draft. Um, for me, so if you notice, uh, I didn't get a third baseman until JD Davis in the thirteenth. Uh, that was something I've never had. He's listed on the board as outfield because I kind of slotted him in there uh, once I took, uh, you know, it's kind of this um, thing that we all think is that oh, third base is so deep. Third day, base is deep at the top and then it just falls off. So, you know, after this, I was scrambling for third base and I'm taking Nick Solak, uh, which, you know, like a, a day later, you know, uh, Willie Calhoun gets drilled in the jaw by Julio Urias. So it's like a, a little inside job. Uh, so I'm thinking, oh, he's going to get this, you know, now he's going to be in the outfield. I'll get the dual eligibility. Uh, but now the season's delayed. But so I was, uh, I was definitely chasing third base there for a bit. 
Um, and, you know, and the other thing, I mean, all my teams kind of have a, a common theme and it's that I, I usually wait on outfield. Uh, and then in these draft champions, for me, it's all about the multi-positional guys. Uh, J.D. Davis, I got third in outfield. Nico Goodrum, um, I got uh, Marwin Gonzalez, Joey, uh, Joey Wendell. Um, I, you know, I'm just – Glaber Torres is, is multi, two positions. Uh, that's kind of, you know, plus Solak. He's going to be playing all over the place. Um, you know, so I, that's kind of – to me, if you can get that, and, and I will overdraft some of these guys, like Marwin Gonzalez, where I took him, was a reach. But the fact is, is it frees me up later to take value where it comes to me because I've got a guy who can back up positions all over the place. And, you know, I've been in too many of these draft champions leagues where, you know, there's sometimes you're just decimated in June and yeah. you're just looking for a body to stick in there and, and get some at bat. So. Yeah, so two things. Number one, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I try to do the same thing, getting Moustakas, Mancini, Hunter Dozier, and others like that. But number two, I actually like the Solak pick independent of um, the Calhoun injury because going back to, you know, and I'm going to go back to what I said, you know, skills will, you know, skills over role. Uh, you know, when it comes to closers, I do rolls roll over skills. When it comes to everyone else, it's skills. And Solak showed some really good skills. And um, and I just I don't believe in Ronald Guzman. I mean, I did four years ago, but um, he's burned me so many times. And I don't believe in Greg Bird. So like, I think Solak was going to find a way to play one way or another. I mean, Todd Frazier could move over to first, or Solak himself could move over to first. So I think Solak was a nice pick. And I also don't mind the Michael Franco speculative play there. I uh, like that too. Yeah, Franco and my, so and I did a bunch of. And this is not best ball here, right? And good, thank you for pointing that out for me, Zach. But so when I I did a bunch of best ball drafts, and I found I always drafted. I feel like in every one of my drafts, I drafted either Franco or uh, Travis Shaw, because I was just like, you know, those guys have power, have at bats. They should have a good opportunity. And they were going way too late. I mean, to get them in, and that's what I I got them the same place you did, like your number three, third baseman, basically, option. I think that's a really solid value there. Yeah, well, one other, one last thing I wanted to, because I haven't heard enough people mention him, um, and I kind of wrote about this in an article um, a while back. Uh, I never did the other end, the, the negative values on this. But what I did was I took a bunch of uh, metrics. It was a first half, second half split. Uh, you know, minimum, I think it was 100, 100 at-bats. Uh, and I took O-swing, Z-contact, swing and strike percentage, hard hit percentage, barrels, and uh, expected WOBA. And with all those players, I ranked them and weighted each of those categories in the growth from the first to the second half. And you know who number one is when you added up the actual ranks? It was Ruggie Odor. <laughs> and he went, uh, you know, he went from, so, you know, some of these numbers, I mean, he was, he made huge improvements in the second half. And I know we've, we've been burned by him so many times, but I mean, he went, uh, his hard hit percentage went from uh, 41 to, to 51. I mean, he made big uh you know, strides and you know, his barrel rate went up. Um, 
his uh, expected WOBA went from 301 to 344. Uh, so, I, you know, he, I feel like he's a sneaky good play here. And the fact that I got Solak, I, I feel like that's the hedge there, too. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean, Rugi, Rugi, I mean, Rugi Odor and his brother, Rugi Odor, right? I mean, also, also in the Texas Rangers. Right. Like, first of all, when I first saw Rugi Odor's name, it was like, I was like, wow, like Game of Thrones coming to life. <laughs> uh, but, 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 like, he is the streakiest hitter in baseball, probably. I mean, like, yep. so, like, it's going to be really fascinating. Which Rugi Odor are you going to get? when we start baseball, hopefully in June or July, right? Because if you get the good one, he's a top five round talent. If yeah. you get the bad one, he's like trash. And like, but, but like it's at around 17. I mean, obviously you didn't know that when you drafted, you know, the, the team, cause we thought we were still having a full year of baseball when we drafted this, but like, that just goes to show you, like, that's a great Zach. One of Zach's questions is, you know, how, how does this team look better or worse? based on the fact that we're talking about it now versus where we were in March. And I actually don't know the answer on Odor. I just know that it's probably going to be really, really good or really, really bad. That's right. (laughs) Well, he's kind of a narrative play, too. So one of the, you know, I love the backstory stuff. It's kind of the anti-analytics. So, you know, while we're all like, you know, there's so many advancements in how to measure skill and, and performance. I feel like the new Moneyball thing is narrative, <laughs> um, and you know, the, I don't know all of the details on this, but basically, they went to Odor and you know they bought him some horses or something like that. Like there was like a human element to the Rangers making him happy so that he wouldn't worry about things, and you know he could ride horses in the off season. <laughs> so what is, and, I mean, when your name is Rugnet Odor, what is your rodeo name? That's my question. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he's a clown. He's a rodeo <laughs> clown. <laughs> he punches bulls in the, in the jaw and uh you know but uh yeah so i don't know we'll see what we get from that it could be a, a, a league winner or an anchor so we'll see so. um I, I one one thing i didn't uh can you guys hear me all right because i just put in my headphones yeah we're good okay. yeah okay but one thing i forgot to ask you chris when we were going through um your draft um just getting back to it is you stacked uh fraley and uh clinic um, now we're looking at how the draft would have, um, I guess, shifted shifted if we had drafted starting now. How does Mitch Hanniger coming back from injury um, affect things? Um, because I don't know when he's coming back. Like it doesn't seem like it's anytime soon. Um, but um, how, how how does that play into things now? If you were to if we were to do this now, I think it's a factor. I mean, oh God, I mean, talk about a guy you feel every man on earth feels bad for Mitch Hanniger. I mean, <laughs> you know, just like wow, like ruptured you know scrotum it is nothing you ever want associated with anybody that you love um so uh <laughs> it is what it is but uh i and, and as a guy who owned hanniger last year i really believe in the skills um i bought it heavily and, and you know didn't work out but i just think that the like the seattle outfield is barren and i mean eventually it's probably going to be i mean in two years it'll be jared kalenic julio rodriguez and probably noel v Marte, if you ask me you know, maybe Fraley, I don't, we'll see how Fraley works out. I think Fraley is going to give you uh, power and speed regardless um, out there. And I, I don't know if he's if, he, if, if he'll crack that team in two or three years or if the talent of Kalenic Rodriguez and and uh, and Marte will push him out. But 
I, I don't I don't think Jake Fraley's like some kind of league winner. I think he's like a 15-15 kind of guy right now, which I'll take, you know, in round 25. And then Kalenic is the, you know, he's the stud with the upside. But when you look at the Seattle outfield, I mean, Kyle Lewis could be a, a really good player. He also could be a, a quad A player, you know, the, to borrow a term from the past. He could be right. gone. And there's, there's, I mean, if Fraley and Kalenic are both hitting, they will both play in Seattle. So for me, like that's a, there's like a little, it's a little bit of a stack in terms of there's a floor there, but the ceiling is both those guys are playing every day in Seattle and putting up numbers, uh, you know, in the second half of the season. But and and, and that could and Hanniger could be the third guy there as well. But it, I mean, let's just be clear, Seattle doesn't need. I mean, there's also the DH slot, and there's no one there now that they you know let let Domingo Santana go to Cleveland. There's no one in Seattle where it's like, oh my God, we have to play that guy. We got to get that guy's bat in the lineup. So if they're hitting, I, I'd say both of these guys play, even with Greg. Okay. Yeah, on that note, uh, which is a good transition, um, you absolutely swiped Evan White from me, Zach. That was uh, a pick <laughs> that was. I was not happy when you did that. So well, I, the sniping I, went back. It went back the other way too. You took I'm several sure of them guys. Well, I'm looking at I'm looking at you. Like um, you got a couple guys that I really targeted, like Bo Bichette. You took in the fifth round, and I'll get to a, I'll get to them how I how that fit into to my team. And then I know Curlin was just cursing you when you took Descalfani, um, <laughs> and then also um, JD Davis, and then Julio Arias. Just uh, that was that was one of the guys that I'm. I, one of the guys that I usually try to get, but I, I, I let him pass by. So if we look at um, where, where I would have uh, – Urias, um, I passed over him for Lords Guriel. And that was probably because if you look at my team, I didn't have an outfielder at that point. Yep. So uh, so I, it was sort of a team construct thing, but in, in, in a vacuum, I think I, I like uh, Urias more than Guriel. But going back to the start, I was I, I was uh, the 14th team to select a player. Uh, I took Fernando Tatis in the first round and Walker Bueller in the second round. I don't know, not much to really discuss there. Um, um, got um, and a little. I went a little bit more pitching heavy than I normally do. I I I've tended to 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 zig when others have zagged this year in terms of starting pitchers. Um, and uh, I want to get a lot of those like um, Julio Reyes, um, Erod. Um, that the pitchers in that tier, Montas, uh, those type of guys. Um, but this, but, but this draft, I got Bueller in the second, uh, Paddock in the fourth, and Trevor Bauer in the sixth. I'm still a fan of Trevor Bauer. All those, all, all the ratios back him up. I think he has upside to do. Well, um, I, I think he should do uh, something in between what he did in 2018 and 2019. Um, so my third round pick was uh, um, Altuve, uh, which uh, I tend to. I think like a lot of people try to get um, try to try to hammer home that stolen the stolen bases and batting average first. And Tatis got me the stolen bases. The batting average is questionable, but I think Altuve is one of the, the one of the most safest sources of batting average, and, along with other categories. So and, and I really and, I, and like I've said, I really do want to come out of that thir- three four turn um, or coming out of the third or fourth round with at least one of those top second basemen, that being Ozzy Albies and Curlin basically stole. He, he, he stole what I patented, was the Ozzy Albies Luis Castillo turn. As much as he wants to claim it's his own, it's not. It's mine. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but um, uh, I, so um, Altuve was really one of the last ones after Albies, um, Torres, Hira, um, and, um, and, and that group. And uh, of course, Ketel Marte, which was taken. So I really want to get one of those guys. Altuve was the last one left. So 
I, I sniped him. I did not. I, I don't want. I don't want um, anything to do with VR, and I don't want anything to do with um, Merrifield or. Um, uh, I know he's not a second baseman, but Modesty in these first couple rounds. Uh, I've, I've talked about that before. Uh, fifth round, I took Muncy position eligibility. I find that I'm always uh, one of the things I'm always lacking is is a first baseman. Um, but then um, a lot of the times I am taking Sano, which I did in the eighth round, a little bit of a, a reach above the ADP. But um, what what um, I think what's not talked about a lot or, or enough is that um, first baseman is really top heavy. And I think after you get past them, um, I don't know if you agree with me, but like your Abreu and uh, Josh Bell's, you're really you're really left with people you're not very comfortable with, um, like. Um, for example, Reese, Reese Hoskins. Sorry, sorry, Craig. Right, but um, he the batting average is a huge risk there. Um, but what but what people don't realize is Sano's going to have first base eligibility within a week. Yeah, I actually so, I I tend to think the opposite is true with first baseman. Is after Bellinger, I don't like taking Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonso, Goldschmidt. I don't like taking any of those guys where they're going. I feel like they're hold your nose and get uh, you know. A first bit, you know, to me, Hoskins, they messed with his swing. This is another narrative thing. They brought in, uh, you know, the uh, Washington Nationals hitting coach. And, you know, they are fixing, uh, you know, he used to be a big plate discipline, uh, discipline guy. And they just, they messed him up last year. Um, honestly, I, getting Christian Walker later um was the hedge for that and i'm glad i took him where i did because crone was my backup and he went like right after that so this was another example of like yeah so go ahead i wasn't didn't mean to go back to my team here but no 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 for that zach i think i think uh you, you glossed over a couple of early things that i want to go back to so number one i i think uh i actually agree i'm more on zach's side on this uh, than craig's in terms of first base i um I don't love. Um, I like. I don't. I think that first base is top heavy. I try to get the, but I also think they're going a little bit too early. So maybe it's a bit of the two. I try to get the last of that first crew, which I think Josh Bell or Reese Hoskins could be. If you're in an OBP league, obviously I'm a lot more comfortable yeah. with Hoskins and batting average. Uh, then I think it does get really ugly. But 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 Zach, like I think Tatis is the boldest pick in the first round. Um, I think it's he's got the huge upside, and and in terms of first round player, I think it's hard to find someone with a lower floor. You might even argue there's no one in the first two or maybe even three rounds with a lower floor. But the okay. upside, the upside for me is I think he's the best player in baseball. Like he could be Ronald Acuna. So like I mean, so like so talk a little bit about like your pick there. I I'm interested in it because I haven't. I, I have to be honest. I'm a coward. In this sense, because I have Tatis and like a, I've had him in like two or three dynasty leagues, I'm like, okay, I got my Tatis shares. So if Tatis goes out, <laughs> I'm all set, man. I'm good. Yeah. But I'm, I have not drafted him once in redraft this league this year. So like, talk to me about Tatis because to me, that's a really that's the most fast. I think he's the most interesting player in the first three rounds. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's tough because um, Tatis. Um... I want to get, I want to come out of the first, I want to come out I'm on the turn there so I want to come out of there with at least one hitter um, that is going to get me stolen bases because if you don't leave the first or second round um, or I'd say if you don't leave the first I'd say 18 picks without somebody that can get you those 20 stolen bases it's it's going to be really really difficult to make that up 
So I want to make sure that I get someone. So what was left at that point was Jose Ramirez or Fernando Tatis. And then if you look at the rest of the second round, that's why I don't, I don't like to be in the second round. Um, um, I usually tend to take a pitcher in the second round and I, I don't, I don't want to use a pick in the second round on someone that's not going to get me any stolen bases unless they're going to get me like a very, very solid batting average, which Tatis isn't. So I really, if I'm not getting, if I'm, if I'm in the back half of that round, um, I'm looking at Tatis or Jose Ramirez for me yeah. because I want, I want, I want to get that, I want to get that base of stolen bases, that that floor for stolen bases because you don't, you, you, you can't get, you can't get someone like that until. Um, you start seeing seeing other parts of that skill set fall off. If Ramirez made it back to you, would you have taken him over Bueller? That's that's a tough question. Um, and I asked, uh, um, um, who is it? Uh, there's about Chu. Um, Chu ah. was, yeah. I asked him, would you have taken um, uh, if I if I had taken Ramirez at, at pick fourteen? Would you have taken Tatis at pick seventeen or pick sixteen? Um, because I think, yes, I would have, I would have doubled up on them. Um, yeah. n- now would I, would I, that's a, and, uh, that's a good question. Would I have still done that and passed on Walker Bueller? Because Walker Bueller, I can guarantee you right now in any of the main events, if the main events started now, which they're not, but if you had to, if you had to draft right now, Walker Bueller is not making it past pick 11. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe because Bu- I think you could argue Verlander should be back. So you've got another you got another arm in there, and Scherzer should be healthy. I mean, I love Bueller. Bueller's my number four. Well, I think he was my number four starter going into the draft season. So I, I love him where you got him. But I, I just think Tatis is like a fascinating player because, like I said, he's got yeah. the upside to be the best player in baseball, and he could also go the other way. The other question I had for you was in terms of um, uh, so. Correa and Sano to me are like two of the yeah they're like two of the like the lost boys of fantasy baseball this year like I don't understand Sano's ADP I, I really don't get it like you look at exit velocity you look at every other stat cast out you look at whatever metric you want to see and this guy should be like a STUD stud right like but I mean I get it maybe it's the health I, I guess it's a it's a thirty six percent strikeout right it's part of that. I just don't I whatever man like that guy's like he hits the ball harder than you know anyone in baseball it's it's ridiculous and then Correa so those those are uh, it seems like you drafted a team in general this is what I'm looking at at the things that stand out to me are like Tatis and like Correa and Sano and they're like these are like like high high ceiling high floor guys and I'm just yeah. wondering if that if that was kind of a uh, if that's the way you're drafting this year or if that was your approach to this draft specifically that tends to be always the way I draft in rotisserie leagues is, um, is I, I, I tend to value upside more than I guess the average person would. And, um, yeah, I, I, I see that I see a lot of value in upside because I'm confident in my ability to fill the back end of my draft. I almost called your shot on that snow pick, by the way, I was like, uh, really that's, tempted that's not, to put, put, put the message on the board there. Like, and for Zach's pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you couldn't really do that, but you, you could, but you couldn't. Yeah. So those, those are two, those are the two of the guys because we, me and me and Mike, we had a, we just, with our last podcast, we, we talked about player, like groups of player that changed that changed value. And one of those groups of players was, um, injury prone players. And, and um, a lot of people are saying, well, because Correa, for example, doesn't have to play a full season. Um, 
uh, he increases in value because there's a lower probability of him getting injured because he's playing less games. But I don't see that. The way, I, I don't really agree with that. I think there's just as much of a chance of him getting injured um, during a shortened season as during a long season. Now, that begs, that begs another question, just a general question that we didn't actually bring up on the last podcast was, um, do injury-prone players not um, lose value because of the shortened season? I'll give, you, I'll give you a theory as to why they would. Now, we're talking, if we're talking about a season-ending injury, like a torn ACL or a pitcher that's uh, torn, uh, tearing his ACL, it doesn't matter. He's going to be out for the season regardless in a short season or a long season. But we're talking about players that get knickknacks. And um, I'll use a guy like um, Trey Turner, for example. Like, he's been nicked up here, here and there. A lot of players that steal bases, jam a thumb, and they, they go out for – they go on the 15-day DL, and then they're back, and they play, they play a 140-game season. But guess what? Those players that tend to get those little knickknacks – and they lose those 10 games, those 20 games in a row, like maybe once a year, that's going to be a pretty big percentage of your season. That's a quarter of your season if we're playing 80 games. So coming back to think about it, these players, um, I guess you can put Korea in that category. I'm saying that I think there's a case to say that they'd lose value in a short season. It's actually, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I actually think the, the opposite might be true. And that is, I think this is going to be a big soft tissue muscle strain uh, season full of injuries because of the fact that they were ramping up and then they stopped. You know, I know they're talking about doing like another month of spring training, but the fact is, is this whole thing has messed with their routine. And I think because of that, there's going to be a ton of these, you're going to see oblique injuries and, and annoying things like that, that are going to be. Uh, you know, the types and, and those are the worst kinds of injuries because you're never sure what to do with a guy, um, you know, because they're so difficult to to project, you know, what, what you're going to get out of them the rest of the season. But, uh, I, you know, I think there, there could be a lot of arm injuries because of, you know, they, they reported they had pitchers and catchers. They were ramping up and they, you know, they, they decelerated their their progress and now they're going to have to ramp up again. So, um you know, that said, I mean, it, it's pretty hard. You know, I, I think with injuries, it's it's going to be balanced throughout the league, though. Uh, maybe the injury-prone guys who, you know, like you mentioned, Trey Turner. I mean, his his injuries that he's gotten, you know, he gets hit, you know, trying to bunt. Uh, they're kind of fluky. Um, but these guys that always get these muscle injuries, um, you know, uh, Stanton. You know, I'm not going near Stanton this no. year. Um, because of the nature of the way this season has gone already, a lot of people I've heard I've heard some people talk about Stanton, um, and they're saying that okay, now he's in the drafts in the very recent drafts, he's now going for quote unquote a discount uh, because the the market hasn't corrected yet. But I don't really agree with that because I think Stanton you're, you're still he's still discounting. You're just still getting quote unquote discounted because he's still injury prone. He's still gonna he's still gonna get hurt. I think like I agree with you. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting. Like, I mean, let's assume, assuming and praying to God that there's a baseball season this year. I think uh, it's you know they're going to try to get as many games in as possible. And with that, I think that and, and and even if they weren't like so, I am very comfortable blaming the greed of owners for many of the problems in baseball. But let's just take that out of it. Let's pretend that there wasn't billions of dollars at stake here. Like, if you're a competitive athlete and your season just got cut short, 
And when you get back, like, you're going to want to get in there like swimwear, man. Like, you're going to want to play. Like, these guys are athletes. Like, they want to do this. They want to go. They want to ride or die. And so I think people are going to be pushing it. Uh, and I, so I, I tend to agree with you guys in terms of uh, trying to stay away from the injury players. But I also think that those if those players can happen to avoid injury, they're going to be the biggest bargains in our drafts moving forward. So, like – this is like the fourth time today, and granted, I listen to a lot of baseball podcasts, but I've heard people like no say, shit. yeah, exactly, like say, hey, watch out for Stanton, stay away from him. But like, if you grab Stanton and he happens into like 80 games of 20 home, 25 home runs, like you're going to, he's going to be a potential league winner for you, right? Like, so I, I mean, I, I think the one thing we can all agree on is like the variance right now in the, the error bars are really wide for all these players in terms of our projections. Um, one player, Zach, you, you should have heard me take your name in vain because apparently I will not own him in every league I have him in is Spencer Howard. When you took him in the 20s, oh. I love him this year. I think he's a. Uh, I, I think the bottom half of Philadelphia's rotation is soft. It's like it's soft as a Pillsbury, you know, doughboy. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and I think that you know he's got number two upside, and he's gonna. He, when you look at a lot of the projections on Spencer Howard, like they're waiting for him to get hurt. Like he's gonna, he's probably gonna get hurt. He's got a fragile. He's got a lot of movement in his uh, delivery. He's got like a. He's just he's a high risk pitcher in terms of he's going to get hurt. So like the Phillies want to get him in the majors and like throw the bullets against big league bats. And so I think he's going to I I think he would have broken camp opening day, and I think he will break camp opening day. And um, and I think you've got a a guy with the upside of a number two to number three starter on an on a, on a contending team, you know, not a garbage team. So I love that pick for you. The short season helps um, uh, Spencer Howard probably maybe more than anyone. I think. Uh, yeah, in, you in, your your team was a bit of an enigma to what I was describing earlier, where there wasn't much. At least I didn't see as much value picks. You actually did get some value picks. So there was a few guys that you you know went and got. You know, Snow. Although you know, we could argue, I, and I, I would agree him. that he that he's a value. Well, I I think he's still a value there. But Lorenzo Cain, where you got him, Cain yep. is a huge yep. value there. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro. I mean, everybody thinks that he's a platoon bat. I mean, there are so many lefties in that lineup uh, in Tampa. They're going to need uh, to keep him in there, and he, you know, he still hits uh, righties, and I I think he's going to have a big year in in Tampa Bay. Um, we've discussed Sam Hilliard, you know, that, but right after him, you, uh, you got Freddie Peralta, which just crushed my soul. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I it actually, Peralta too, for the record, what's that? I almost called out Peralta too. Yeah. Well, I thought he might make it one more round. I was happy though, uh, you know, not to go back to my team, but after, you know, you took Peralta. I was shocked that I got Ryan Yarbrough. In the twentieth yeah. round, um, you know, this is a guy. Everybody still thinks he's yeah. like a, a like a bulk guy, yeah. um, and you know, of him and Torino's, I'll take Yarbrough. I mean, he had a, he had a, a rough spell in the middle of the year last year, but he, you know, he was a little banged up. Uh, and then, you know, I actually traded. The reason I know this is I traded him away uh, in in one of my home leagues, and then he just, you know, the second half he was like 
lights out and i was just every time i saw that i was like ah. <laughs> um but uh but you you were like the one um team that i thought got a lot of and i was actually going to mention the spencer howard pick but franchi cordero like there's a lot of uh mateo buzz, a lot of buzz names and I, I i probably i probably um, irked uh johnny l when i took mateo and uh, uh barreto <laughs> Yeah, but you were able you were able to make those picks because you went and got your guys earlier, and that's kind of the thing that I keep harping on this year is, you know, it, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you reached on that guy. Flaherty's a great example um, in in a lot of drafts, you know, where people are like, oh, he's going too early. Taking, like you mentioned, that second round, that's pitcher round. And, you know, especially after all of these uh, pitchers uh, have gotten hurt, um, Flaherty's the one guy in the middle of that round that, you know, if you took a, a bat in the first round and you get Flaherty in the second round, it opens up the next five rounds for you. Well, the same could be said for, you know, you going and getting Miguel Sano and being able to have that option at first and third base for, uh, for getting, you know, guys, for, you know, you went and took Naris, uh, Kila and, and Gallegos, which I thought was, was pretty solid in a draft champions type format. Well, the, the, the thing is, this, this, there's not an overall in this one. So I'm looking at that. Right. I'm like, well, well, having three closers in uh, a league where there's no overall prize is not always the best, not, not always the best strategy, but given the fact that closers were going off the board like crazy and, um, Gallegos, I, like I'm with you, Chris. I love him this year. Uh, I'm, 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 I have a lot more confidence in him than I guess the field and him, um, I guess last, like, him being still him still being there after all the other closers off the board i was going with the flow of the draft and i'm saying you know what i can't i can't let this guy pass over yep. yeah yeah but they but the you know even in in these draft and holds that you're not you're you know i've tried to do this specking on closers year after year and you know it's just even if you're not in the overall in your own league one of your guys is going to get hurt one of them's going to lose his job it happens every year and the guys you specked on are not going to be the ones to get those jobs so, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my a little piece of my strategy that i that i use for that i use for this league and um in other leagues in general you'll see me taking um and i'll, I'll you'll understand it once i explain um, and you'll understand my, the, the, how I structured my team a little bit better. Um, so you'll see I've taken um, Mackenzie Gore fairly early um, in round uh, 17. I've taken um, Spencer Howard. I've taken Alex Reyes, Taiwan Walker, Freddie Peralta, um, Kyle Wright. If you look down my team, like it's a lot of um, upside players. Michael Fulmer is not going to be back for a while. Um, now, if I'm looking, if you're looking at your pitcher staff with nine players on it, okay, how, how is this going to fit together? Because I'm taking a lot of players that might not even be helpful to me at all. Like maybe not even all throughout the whole season. And a lot of these players you might have to wait for. Now, taking three closers allows me to use three of those closers for the first part of the season, at least. And I'm assuming that, like Chris said, Kayla is going to lose his job. Um, Gallegos, <laughs> it might not, it's not 100% him working out, but at least I can throw those guys out there to start for the first month or so. I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, it's not by any means a perfect plan. But then I'm I'm hoping that once those closers lose their job, one of them one of those closers is going to stumble. I can start slotting in a seventh pitcher, be it yeah. Spencer Spencer yeah. Howard, whatever. Right, Taiwan Walker. I don't know if he was even signed at this point when I took him, but um, that was sort yeah, of you, my, that's sort of my thinking there. Um, accumulate early and then you know make yeah. up for it later with with starter heavy lineup. I think it's it's smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I like it. I like it. The uh... I guess one one question I would have for um, 
for both of you guys is like when I mean I I did not see one team stand out outside of our obviously one of the three of us we're probably finishing first, second, and third in our league. I mean, let's just be clear. Uh, but like, good luck fighting out second and third, guys. <laughs> that's, that's, why I that's why I didn't ask anyone else to be on this podcast. I said like, most likely yeah, top three. Right. I didn't even I didn't even throw it out to the whole group at all. Like you saw today, like, I just I messaged you guys privately. I said no one else. Gold, 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 it's a gold, silver, and bronze podcast of the of the battle of the podcast. <laughs> But like, I'm just curious to, for you guys' perspective. Like, when you look at the at other teams in the league, who are, were there other? Was there another team that stood out that you thought, wow? Like, I mean, I think all I really do think this is among the most competitive leagues, if not the most competitive league this year. It was the toughest league I played in at the time. Um, you hate it. You hated it. You were like, I hate this league. It sucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I think uh, I think you guys definitely uh, took a lot of the players. I like now. I'm just looking at the, I'm just looking at the teams. Um, and I'm I'm a guy that like obviously you can see that I like to play the upside more than a lot of players. It's backfired uh, many times in these draft and hold leagues because of uh, just the nature of the draft and hold. You need to accumulate accumulate stats. But um, you're, we we were playing with a lot of guys that are like prospect guys. Eric Cross, um, um, prospect Jesus, no. and yeah. uh, even. Um, even um, donkey teeth, like those guys were taking a lot of the guys really early that I that I didn't think I had to think about. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example here. Um, Ray Butler too, right? Oh yeah, Ray. Sorry, no, yeah, Ray Butler. But you know what? The, the thing with Ray is he he does in these drafts. He's very much not like he, he's not what you think he would. He doesn't draft how you would think he would draft being a prospect guy like he's very, he's very most of the prospect guys don't they 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 know they can get that value late and uh, yes was, yeah so they usually well, will draft like old guys <laughs> well ray I, I like i like ray's team. i like i like ray's team a lot like he got lamette and, and uh lazardo back to back in round eight and nine that's that's nice value then he got then he did again then he went mccullers and josh james at 15 and 16 so that was really i think that i think that um, he, he started off with Clevenger and then he got in round eight, nine, Lamette, Lazardo, and then 15, 16, McCullers, James, and he got Corbin Burns, who I like a lot. Um, so I, I like his team a lot. I'm just, I'm, I'm just Who's great. team four? Yeah, team five. Dude, Ray, Ray Butler's team is probably the team, and I'm just looking at this back in the envelope, whatever, but like when you think about a team that's going to benefit the most from the late start, so first of all, you've got Clevenger. Boom. Yeah, yep. Like he was my number five starting pitcher before he got hurt, or number, and so that's brilliant. Then you've got Gary Sanchez. It was a little dinged. He'll probably be set up. Then Nelson Lamet and Jesus Lizardo are going to be freaking full season dudes. You know, now it's like not even an issue. But Colors and Josh James also pitchers that will probably be able to pitch a full season. And so like Jordan Montgomery maybe loses a little bit of value, but maybe. But like. When I was looking at teams that gained the most, at least in the top 15 rounds of the draft, Ray's team like jumped to the top because all those arms are going to benefit. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. That's a, that's a great call. I would say that there's, you know, there's holes in a lot of places. Like, Zach, you, you, you know, certainly uh, you're going to be hoping to hit on one of your speed guys late, whether it's Bader or Mateo, because um, you got Tatis. I, you know, I don't know that Altuve is ever going to be running again. 
the way he was. So, and Kane is, I think, a sneaky good pick there that might make up for that a lot. But, um, you know, that's where you're, you've got to have one of those guys hit. Uh, the same would be for I don't teams. know if Kane. I don't know if Kane's going to run as much anymore. He's like, what is he, 32? His sprint speed's going down, but he was a little bit of a value there that I thought. But I don't know. He was he was hurt though the last year. I mean, like, yeah, it's back to health. Like, I mean, 32 year olds can still go back to health. I don't think he's stealing 30 again, but I think you could get 20 out of him pretty. Easy. I don't. I don't love it. I don't love it. Well, I don't. I don't think anybody's going to run away with speed in this league. I mean, that's the thing. That was the one um, stat that I thought. I mean, you know, I got Yelich and Bichette, and then. You know, I, I didn't get another guy who, you know, it was Odor and, you know, Nico Goodrum. I mean, it, it was a lot of uh, – everybody was throwing darts late on speed. Well, so, well, well Scott, Scott Chu has a pretty interesting build. That's true. Uh, yeah, I did, VR and, and Jose I did, Ramirez. Yeah, he's, he, Ramirez is going to give you 25 to 30. VR is going to give you 90. I mean, that's what – Okay, you're, you're right. So this is where all the Family. speed work. Okay. He's got yeah. Eaton and, and – <laughs> Danny Santana, Adam Eaton. He's got some guys. He's got he some cornered guys. the market, so he's going to win steals by, like, you know, 80. Chu has a bunch of guys. Chu actually stands to benefit a lot, um, actually, if we're looking at teams that were going to benefit. Okay, number one, um, Jim Carlo Stanton. That's, yep. that, he benefits there. He has Michael Kopech. Another guy that gains a lot of value in this type of uh, in uh, with a shortened season, Andrew McCutcheon was going to start the season season on the DL. Well, no, and Tom, Tommy Tommy Pham's just uh, getting healthy too. He's been dealing uh, with a little bit of an injury himself. Tommy Pham, someone I just got this bad gut feeling about this year. He's going a different team. Things are getting shaken up. His UCL's not intact. I don't know. He's been playing through the pain. He's getting older. I just I think he's, he's just get, given the risk. Like I know he's going to get you that speed and he's got power too, but. I don't know. Just my gut. My gut says uh, I think you're going to be disappointed with him. He's one of my favorite players in baseball because he's gotten done dirty by the establishment. He knows it. He's called it out, and he's produced in spite of it. And he's also one of the guys that I think he's he is the epitome of the player that's getting screwed over by this stoppage right now. He was supposed to. Instead of, he's talked about it. I think he's on the record. So. Um, I hope the, the one thing I will say is the Padres like when the, when we were supposed to be all you know all systems go they were like this is the key to our entire lineup like we built our entire lineup around Tommy Pham so I hope for his sake he does he is able to actually have a great season and I do I do love the guy the way he puts a chip on his shoulder I'd say you're right about um, the uh, the fact that he gets a good advantage and I think we should also just talk about Garrett Richards being a great example of a guy that should yeah. do even better in a short season the, I mean that I just want to be honest like I did not love I love this team in many ways I did not love rounds 9 through 13 so like Danny Santana, multi-position eligibility player. If that guy goes 20-20 again or even whatever, 20, the version of 2020 is with a high average, God bless him. That'll be like the most miraculous thing of all time. Yuli Gurriel, I just think, you know, live ball. If it goes down a little bit, he's dead. Will Smith is not the closer opening day. Maybe he wasn't anyway. If it was going to be this month, if it's going to be July, maybe he will. I think Eaton's fine, but you could have gotten him three or four rounds later. So, I mean, I just, 
that route. Like, it's really weird that I like this team because I like the guys after that. Like, I like Manea, McCutcheon, Caleb Smith, Renato Nunez, I think is a great value, Garrett Richards. And I like a lot of later guys. But, like, that's a really important, like, four-round stretch right in the middle of the draft to, like, have three or four picks that I think were overdrafted. And I still like Scott Chu's team. Yeah. Right. I want to look at uh, team number nine, John. We won't say his last name, but Johnny, uh, Johnny L. Uh, what do you think about his team? Let's look at what he, because he he, t- he, t- he took uh, he took Lariano and Mercado um, uh, in the in uh, rounds five and six, and then uh, what else can I say about his? And he took Scott Kingery, so I think he was really hurting on steel. Uh, he was trying to he was trying to chase steals or trying to catch up on steals. It feels like. Um, I do like his team. I do like a lot of his picks. Like Adrian Hauser is a guy that he always gets. He, he reached like crazy to get him, but so do I sometimes. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, and then uh, he loves like he's, he he just gets his guys like Voth, Austin Voth. Um, uh, and then uh, who else does he always get? He always gets Mercado. You know, Luke Voigt is his boy. Um, and then he loves Joe Jimenez too. Um, Joe Jimenez Astro is basically married to him. Yeah, he, he got he got some pretty decent value picks too, which kind of aggravated me. Um, every time he he took some some of these guys off the board, uh, Didi Gregorius, um, Starling Castro, Shogo Akiyama, Jason Castro. When he took him, man, I was so annoyed because he went because <laughs> uh, that's been my fallback catcher um, or my catcher too in a lot of uh, leagues. Jordan Lyles is a guy I like. I mean, he just kept just taking my cue and it was driving me crazy nikki lopez late in round 30 i mean yeah um you know the, the thing with his draft though i mean you know i i'm annoyed i don't have you darvish anywhere uh at this point uh i think you darvish could potentially be a top five pitcher um yeah. but but the I mean, fact well, I, that he, he waited and got zach gallon as a two that's pretty good you know, given what he was able to accomplish in the first seven rounds and get Zach Gallen there as the two. But then I felt like he waited a little long. Hauser's is three. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He's got DeGrom. I didn't see that at the tops. Oh, so that's crazy. So he's got DeGrom, Darvish, Gallen, and Hauser. Yeah, that's a that's Hauser's a nasty. That's a, nasty a, lot, a lot of people won't be as confident as he or maybe we are with, with Hauser as a number four. But um, I think he is, which is fine. Um, he, I think he also he he's taken three closers: Jimenez, Robles, and Reyes Iglesias. Um, I guess he just go, he, he was going with the draft, and I think what was happening in this draft is that people were just going way higher than their ADP. So I think when you got to when when you got to um, uh, Castro, um, I don't know if he took him up above his ADP or not, but I think um, as the draft went on, I think people started to reach more and more and more because they realized like, oh shit. Like people are just ignoring ADP. Like we can't wait. We can't wait to get our guys when we think we. Can I actually, them. I had that moment where I was like, I, and it was probably right around there. Like I think it might have been the DD pick that I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna take out these, uh, throw these expectations away, and go yeah. get guys that I want. Um, yeah, because I, they I, were... I, I had the moment too. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't. Forget, I forget where it was, but I'm like, okay, it's on. Yeah, that was why, you know, right after that, I went and got Avisail Garcia. I'm like, I'm not waiting anymore on these guys to, you know, trying to spec where they might go. I'm going to go that's, get who I want. That's, an, that's another one that I wanted, uh, Avisail. I'm like, okay. I'm like, when you took him, I think you took him before pick 200. I'm like, okay. I think that was that was my moment. I'm 
Like when, when you yeah, think and, Ab- Abisail, I'm like, okay, we're, we're throwing ADP out the door here. And here's another guy. Ryan Braun is another soft tissue injury guy that I yep. feel like this is, you know, he's, he's learning a new position. This is messing with his timing. Uh, you know, he seems like a guy that might get hurt by this whole delay. Um, hey, Craig, can, can we add somebody else into this, uh, into this chat right now? Uh, yep. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Okay. Can I can I give you an email that we can? Uh, yeah. Add? Shoot. Uh, yep. Shoot it over. Who's joining? Who's joining us there? Mike at oh, staff at staffdriven.com. Fantastic. So mm-hmm. while we're waiting to ask Mike, I got to be honest with you. I love John. I think he's like one of my favorite personalities and one of the smartest guys. I do not love this team. I think it's really light on power. I'm not a big guy. I don't. I don't love Rendon. Uh, this year at all to back him up with Hura and Loriano and Mercado. I know he went Gallo in the seventh, but I just think his team is super light on power. Kingery light on power. Voigt could easily be a two-thirds time player, a three-fourths time player in 2025. Hey, is he Shogo Akiyama? I mean, if I had drafted those guys in the first, I'd be going for guys like Austin Riley instead of Shogo Akiyama in the 18th. Uh, I, I like I love DeGrom. I love Darvish. Uh, and I love Gallon, so I love his top three pitchers. I'm I'm as high on those three guys as anyone else. But I, I don't he didn't get huge speed anywhere. Like Loriano could easily be a 10 steel player of a full season. Pura could easily be a 15 steel player. Mercado could easily be a 15 steel player. So you didn't get elite speed. The uh, the only guy in the first 10 rounds who has elite power is Gallo, and that comes at a batting average cost. Now, granted, with Loriano, Mercado, and Rendon, Gallo's batting average is probably mitigated. But I don't know. I just I didn't love this this build for him. Lori, actually, if you look at the projections and and the, the projections agree with you, the projections don't like his team. Um, uh, well, one of the main reasons is because Laureano is projected for a really poor batting average, despite the fact that he has a really great batting average last year and throughout the minor leagues. Um, but um, one thing I'll say about John is uh, he's done a lot of these drafts, and he um, I, I don't disagree with with you. In um, I don't I don't like his Mercado pick. I don't like the Gallo pick personally. Those two those two picks in those two consecutive rounds. I would um, those are two guys that I tend to avoid. However, he does he, he is one of the best in the business in terms of making it up at the back end of his draft. He knows he knows the deep he knows the player pool really very yeah. deep, and you, you see the guys that he's taken near the end. Um, Ryan McBroom. He's got Kristen Stewart, Roman Quinn. These are all guys. These aren't darts. If you ever listen to me, these aren't darts. So he knows. Yeah. Very, like, he knows that even Danny Mendick, um, he didn't get. He didn't. He didn't get himself um, Tim Anderson as uh, for him as a bat, as a handcuff. But he does like to. Um, he does like to. He does like to stack, which I don't think he really did too much stacking in this. That's like the thing that's weird. I agree with you, man. Like I, I follow him pretty pretty closely. He didn't do what he thought. What I thought he was going to do. What I will say is, what he he got his guys, but he had to, I think because this is such a competitive draft, he had to jump. Like so, he had to jump up to get Hauser in the fifth. He had to jump up and get Castro in the ninth. He, he got his guys, but he paid like above like sticker price to get him. So I don't know. I, I just I didn't love it. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I, I do kind of trust the player there a little bit. He um, he's. You know, like I said, I mean, he went and got his guys, but late, I mean, he really nailed it on a lot of, a lot of value picks. Um, but, you know, I'd have to sit there and do a kind of a back of the napkin on. I mean, I was doing, I'm sure you guys were all doing it too, where you're filling in, trying to get to that 80% of, you know, uh, categories. And 
you know, I mean, according to my uh, projections that I used, um, you know, I hit the mark pretty close uh, all over. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you don't get those value picks because you're going somewhere else. So uh, it may be that he, you know, was getting those value picks, but he's going to come up short somewhere. I did. I did it. I did it a lot. I loved. I loved like some like Caprellian was a great late pick. Rankifo was a great like run pick. We talked about McBroom. I mean, he he hit some guys, but I don't know. I just I didn't like the early build. Um, I don't think he has enough power um, and, or speed to be honest. And uh, and I think that uh, I love his arms, but I think that they came at a cost. Yeah, I mean, in fact, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, we lost Zach there for a second. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, you mentioned the um, Loriano and the Mercado pick, but like we said, you know, the fact that Chu was just gobbling up speed everywhere, uh, you know, he might have just lucked into the fact that, that those picks might have saved him a little bit and kept him competitive in speed by taking them early just because um, there was there was nothing to be had after round, what, 10? Yeah. So, um, Hey, uh, Zach. Hey, uh, Zach. So I'm uh, shot you WhatsApp. If you want to um, just send me his uh, information, um, I'm having trouble kind of finding him. But oh, it's, it's uh, for his uh, his email is Mike at staffdriven.com. Staff driven. Gotcha. Staff driven. S T A F F D R I V E N dot com. Nice. M I K E at staffdriven.com. Oh, it's Mike. Uh, how about that? He's uh, there. Let's step away for 30 seconds. I'll be right back, boys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just sent him a man with his own domain for this. Man, we should be worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's his, it's his job. It's his work, right? He's a consultant for a dentist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, have you ever uh, listened to his YouTube channel? I haven't. Um, so I haven't you, done if, that. If you, if you if you ever have a, a spare moment, if you're in the, if you're on the toilet, you can go and uh, you can go on YouTube. Um, it's called the the Dental Road Warrior, and um, you can always always rip him because he he has less views on his Dental Road Warrior than we do on our podcast. But uh, so, he just oh, he's, he's, it, it's it's Mike, and he's so, uh, so Mike. Mike, you got a camera now? Or would you spring for a camera? So he's he's on now. So I thought this was going to be the first time that he was actually going to be promoting you when you got on, like ahead of time, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it went south. Yes, Mike. What is there two people on this thing right now? Well, we got we got Chris also coming back. Three whole people. Hey, Mike. So, so what happened? Is that it? It's over. No, no this party, party just started. It started now. Yeah. I thought you should be. I thought you've been doing this for the last like an hour. We have. We've been doing this for like an hour. Ready to go? They all checked out on you. So, um, what we got? We want to see your beautiful face. Yeah, well, now you can see it. <laughs> so you can see it on. You can see it on. You can see it on Twitter. Oh, there it is. So <laughs> there we go. So. All right, welcome. So I don't know if you. Um, we were. You were just talking about this battle of, of the podcast that you. Um, that you were too busy to partake in because well not too busy but it was just um, below your uh, below your uh, dollar threshold right? You're, no, you're busy. You're busy. It, no, it wasn't below my dollar threshold. It was below my interest threshold. That was the problem. 
Okay. Right on. Okay. 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 Well, you're you're you're, you're not you're not. Why did two? Why did two of us? But you are interested to review it, so I don't know what that says. No, I'm not interested in viewing anything. You sent me that thing. Look at the whole thing. I can. T- <laughs> I'm gonna draft with you right. I'm gonna draft with you right now. I can tell you how bad it is. So, have you sent it to them? Because I can send it right now. I just took a screenshot of at least no, the first. I, 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 have, I have it. Okay. And then you know, and it makes me, and then this makes some riveting entertainment when uh, I'm reviewing a, a draft board right on the on the on the air, right? Okay, hit us, hit us with it. You can. Um, t- I don't know where the hell it went. You can pick my team. I got, I got thick skin. Of course, it has to be about your team. That's what you, it's all you care about, right? You're anxious. You would have to say, I told you, I can tell you about the team you're drafting right now in the league we're in together. <laughs> it's just complete go, crap. Go for it. Let's go. I had some. I have, I have guys texting me tonight saying, "You got for the next show I'm on with you. I got to tell them how you know the United Dynasty League. That's what they're saying right now. The way you're drafted right now." <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I I looked at the first guy. I look at Curlin. He lost already. Just as soon as I look, as soon as I look at Curlin, how do you screw up the number one pick? Curlin screws up. We haven't gone through. We haven't we haven't ripped on Curlin's team yet. We we've locked him for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She put my headphones on. I gotta find out where this thing where where this thing was you sent me. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, just so you know, Zach, I, I'm going to be premiering just for anybody who's been watching or listening to the show when I come on. I actually got in touch with my old podcasting partner from back in the day. And I'm going to be premiering a link on on your on our link and also on on, on Twitter and on, on the NFPC message boards, NFPC message boards of all the old podcasts I did. There was an HC, eight uh, uh, episode series I did strictly of the classic MTM doing the, the humor show we did back called Anything But Monday. So it's going to be out there. So if you want to listen to the whole story of how it came to be, eight episodes, twenty probably about 24 hours of the best stuff you'll ever listen to. That's going to be out there. I got a link for it. It's going to be going up after this. So that's not fantasy baseball. That's just entertainment. It's an inter- you know, I always talk about all my stories and about my life and about the kind of stuff that got me here today. And all of that's on. There's a whole history of that. The whole story. Those eight episodes tell a story. And you're, always, you're always bugging me about promoting the, our show, like the one we did. We just did. Is there anything yeah. you want to like? If we're, if we're promoting this new episode, is there anything that you want to say about the one that we just did? That will, uh, that will um, Oh well, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was pure genius, of course. I mean, uh, you know, anything I'm on is pure genius, and uh, people should people should watch it, and uh, and people should listen to it. I mean, and they can't watch it, but they can listen to it. And uh, again, that's when we premiered my new Twitter handle, you know, Godfather and NPC. It's right. doing real well. Correct. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Well. Yes, I did. I saw that. Yeah, I was. I was. You like that? Yes, I do. Absolutely. So we talked about we talked about all kinds of great things. We talked about atheism and how and and all that kind of stuff as well, and other 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 things, other cults that uh, people are involved in. You know, we talked about, so we, we talked about some uh, little uh, flu that people are having recently. We talked about the flu. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked. You know, we talked about we did some fancy yes, baseball stuff. We, got, we were t- we touched on a lot of the things we talked about in our in Mike, me, and you, um, like the seven groups of players that may have changed values. Um, actually, before we before we get into you, um, just complimenting our teams. Um, well, I, I I had another group of players that I think may change value. We talked about seven groups. I think one of them was injured players, injury prone players. Um, uh, innings pitch limits players, um, and there is a couple more. One, mm-hmm. I think an eighth, an eighth group here that I just thought of uh, before the show was platoon players. Now I'm I'm saying that the season's gonna. I'm I'm sort of getting less optimistic on when the season's gonna start. So I'm saying maybe there's an 80 game season. In in which case it would make sense that there's double headers, and that would mean that um, players just wouldn't. There'd be a lot of players that wouldn't play both games of double headers. They, players just in general would, would lose games played. So you get players like your George Springer, who um, 
assuming that he's not injured, plays every game almost. He may not play every game during um, a shortened season with maybe one doubleheader a week. So players, like, I'll give you a list. I wrote it down here. Zach, uh, how many, about Zach, wait a minute. How many days ago did we do our podcast? Um, when would you do it? Sunday? Yeah, it took, so it took you since Sunday to start losing all confidence that there's going to be more than 100 games, 120 game season, just like that. A few more days of media hysteria, you know, one more person dropped dead in Canada and you're freaking out that we're not going to have a baseball season. Okay, I mean, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a second. Let me give you my list. Let me give you my okay. list. Kyle Schwarber, uh, Tetsugo, uh, Diaz, basically anyone on the Rays, including Renfro, um, uh, Yanny Diaz, Winker, uh, to a lesser extent, J.D. Davis, Akiyama, Ian Happ. All those guys would be I'm, I'm sort of thinking and they might be sort of platoon players, but the the, the playing field may be leveled uh, between them and players that are maybe everyday players. So I think those players may be gain value in a shortened season with double headers. Thoughts? With double headers? With I, double I, 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 look, I think some of headers. I think some of those players. I think some of those players you listed are going to be starters, and then they have to worry about double headers. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are a lot of talent. Those, those players you just listed. There's no reason why they can't play every day. Some of those guys. Those are guys that are fighting for position battles, and now so why shouldn't they necessarily have? They could be having the job, you know, potentially. You know, you, you mentioned. I think, the, I think you're thinking of like Schwarber and um, JD Davis. Um, why wouldn't Schwarber have the job? Pardon? The why wouldn't Schwarber have the job? I think he. I think he. I think he may sit against some lefties. No, he's, he, I think they, he proved last year, man. They're leaving him in the lineup. He's okay. going to be in the lineup. I think. I think you're going to see Happ in the lineup. The way, especially the way he's been having his spring before this whole thing shut down. I think they want him to be in the lineup. I mean, the Cubs. They didn't do much. They better put their best lineup out there in the offseason, right? So I, I think they're going to be there. I mean, JD Davis, the Mets. Okay, they're going to play JD Davis. They have to. They have to play JD, JD Davis. Because I guarantee you, half that outfield, that team's going to be injured in the first few weeks. Trust me, JD Davis will be in there playing somehow, some way. Maybe I was reaching a little bit higher on those examples, but if you look at the guys like Winker and maybe the, the Tampa Bay Rays guys, maybe talk about those. Maybe the maybe the examples I cited weren't perfect, but those guys I think you can definitely say aren't full-time players. So you're trying to say something you're trying to say something you came up with is not perfect, Zach? Really? I'm not I'm not accustomed to that happening. I don't know. I've only did five episodes with you. Let, let the guy let this other guy we can talk. He seems, he seems to know what he's talking about. Let the other guy if you want to say something, cut him off. Yes, he seems like he's intelligent. You know, this guy here, go ahead. Zach, what I was going to say is I think that the, the – I think, I think first of all, those Cubs players, Mike's completely right. Like, Hap and Schwarber should be full-time players. I think the group – and I don't know that they're going to be trying to shove in doubleheaders. I, I mean, maybe they will because baseball owners are greedy. I think that the thing – the group of players you didn't mention are there's going to be a group of rookies on contending teams. Those are the players that I think you might see in a bump. So let's say the Blue Jays decide for some reason they think they have a shot at hell at beating the Yankees, which they don't. But, hey, maybe they do. Maybe Nate Pearson's in the rotation starting opening day. Uh, maybe the Padres, they're like, you know what, we're going to go, you know, odds are we, we have a better shot at beating the Dodgers. We're going to put Mackenzie Gore in the rotation opening day. That's happening anyway. It's going to see a bump is rookies on teams that are tr that are in the contention window in an 80-game season that may not be enough for 162 who, who is this guy? Are you listening to him? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, baseball. Oh, baseball pod. What's your first name? Chris. 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 I, I, I don't know the name of that baseball pod. See? The, an intelligent intelligent guy, Zach. Listen to this guy. Okay? The, the most intelligent thing he said is, I think Mike is completely right. See? That was, a, that was the best thing that came out of his mouth in the last three minutes. Right? You should, be, you should be seeing that more often. 
Well, 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 chat was brief, was one of the groups of players, players we talked about on our last episode. Were you were you on our last episode, Mike? I think you were like the guest of honor on that episode. We and that that the prospects were one of the one of the guys we, we talked about that would increase in value. Like that might, have been, that might have been that might have been the several minutes I was tuning you out. I, I do that from time to time during the show, and I just kind of zone out. You know, yeah, I, think, I just I think, you zone, I think you zone out when we talk about actual baseball content. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're 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 laser focused when you're talking about the coronavirus. So but it is a baseball podcast, though. Look, everybody everybody wants to hear more about that from an, from an entertaining perspective, right? You know, they, 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 didn't they love the whole Corona zombie, Corona zombie, virus zombie? I think, I think, I think the people have spoken when they when they said they, it's a good it's a good format where we talk about baseball and then at the end of the episode they know that everything else is garbage afterwards. Um, so we can talk about Corona or whatever. No, 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 no. Let's be let's 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 be clear. Listen to Chris. Listen to Chris. Listen to Chris again now. Mike is completely correct about Jaws. <laughs> Thank and, you. And, and Mike is completely and Mike's uh, movie. Uh, movie theater brawl is among the more entertaining podcast stories I've ever heard. Yeah. So I mean, I'll give well, them. There's more. I, I I haven't got to submit. As I said, if anybody wants to hear all those stories told like in their pristine state, <laughs> there are many of them. They're all told on those, those podcasts. I'm going to release. So if everybody's bored, locked in a seclusion right now, and if you think the stuff I do with Zach is outrageous, we can hear this kind of stuff back. This is back then around 2007, right? And like I said, this is maybe three three years podcasting was about maybe three years old at the time, two and a half years old at the time. And I'm doing it with one of the original 40 podcasters in the world that, 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 I, that I do it with. So and it's a great... Yeah. Hit, hit us up with the draft. I want, I want the moron package. Or the, the more, I, I gotta find where, where am I looking for this thing again? You sent it to me. I was looking at it as something on my phone. I lost the damn thing. I gotta, I gotta find this draft board, draft board somewhere. Perhaps, perhaps you know. could resend it to you. Huh? Craig, Craig just yeah. offered to resend it to you, and you said no. Yeah, I'm but right. I know, I know, I had it, but I don't want to. If I take, if I put it on the screen, then I can't see everybody's face over here. Okay. And Craig, why am Craig? Why am I doing a Skype cast and looking at you in a room and there's no crucifix hanging there? Why? Why is that not the case? <laughs> I know it's a little frightening. I've got I, I, to... You know, it looks like you're in a confessional. That's what it looks like. Right? It's a dark. I'm having a flashback of church. You know, when I used to go to church back in the day, I gave church up for Lent years ago, by the way. But when you go to the church, there's like a there's a really paneled dark box. He looks like he's a priest in a dark box, you know, in there right now. Where is everything? I thought I'd see that in the background there. It's actually it's actually pretty impressive that um, that I'm actually even doing this, and I have to give props to my wife because I've got not only my three kids, I've got my two nephews here are doing a wow. sleepover. So <laughs> that's how social distancing. You bring these these germaphobes these germ kids into the house. What are you doing there, Craig? Bring it on, man. I, I grew up licking subway poles, man. Mike got the immune see, system to, to take it. So. See, see, Craig's got the right idea because he's not worried about a damn thing. You know why? Unlike the godless heathen that you are, Zach, he knows that if he just drops down this corner, he's fine, okay? We know where you're going, right, man? We know where you're headed. Right, Craig, yeah, Craig, no Craig, Craig, you know where he's going, Craig. Right, Craig. Right. <laughs> hey, they're very, very clean up in, in in Canada. I'd be worried if I was a Canadian right now. <laughs> where's Craig? Where's Craig's look? Where's Craig located? I'm in Charlotte now, but I'm I'm from New York. Oh, so Charlotte, it's Charlotte, a buddy of mine down there in Charlotte. So you know, everything's good down in North Carolina. Yeah, we're you know? we're slowly trying to purge the 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 word y'all from the lexicon down here. That's that's my life mission in Charlotte. So that's what, we, that's what we need in life right now. One of the, like the movie The Purge. We need a good purge going on right now. That's what we need right now. You should try to, this country. You try to purge your airport, Craig. It's the worst airport in America. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't move here to fly places. I, I, this is a regional place. I got mountains and beaches. They're all a drive away. So. Very nice. I like Charlotte. 
Yeah, yeah with three kids, it's just too darn expected. I know, that's it. Well, yeah, we're, well, we're, we're, we're on ground zero right now because you know, everybody's freaking out right now because of, you yeah. know, a couple hundred people have died in the, in the New York metropolitan area. Go, go figure. People have died in the, in the New York metropolitan area. Never are you happens. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you New York City or Jersey? I'm. You know, this is. You can't tell. This is Jersey. But I'm talking. No, I'm. I'm literally. I, I'm where I'm sitting right now, or where I'm from in Jersey right now is right where they film The Sopranos. So you, you're looking at. The, if you ever watch series of Sopranos, they film that on my neighborhood where, where I grew up. What's so, the city, Mike? Huh? What's the town? It's in, well, the, the county is Essex County. The, all those locations were around. A lot of them were around Essex County and Hudson County, New Jersey. Essex County. The, the Sopranos house is in a town called North Caldwell, New Jersey, which is a little dot of a town. And that's where they filmed the exteriors and the, the stuff that was the house. But all those, there was so many shots. All those things they referenced to in the Sopranos were right in my neighborhood. Yeah, my, brother, my brothers were in Seton Hall for a while, so we go. To, we, we were all down in the orange. South Orange, yeah. There's certain oranges you don't want to go to, and but yeah. Seton Hall's right. <laughs> I tell you, you know. But uh, yeah, Seton Hall I know really, really well. That was not far from there. Probably about ten minutes, fifteen minutes from there. So, yeah. so what, what was I talking about now? Baseball. Go back. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Hey, one, one thing that, uh, well, that we didn't mention, and I've not heard anybody reference this about the effects of it, but, uh, and, and I'm curious what you guys think, because I don't really have an opinion on this, is uh, how the CBA is going to be affected, this, you know, with, uh, with this delay. I mean, you know, things were, things were pretty bad. I mean, you know, one thing I think that you can speculate is maybe the animosity toward the Astros is going to be lightened because there's been something of a buffer in between where, Hey, we got a lot of buffers, right? Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> There's your Godfather <laughs> reference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, he looks impressed. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is my impressed face. I think uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I think that I think that uh, the you know Yankee Stadium will not let the Astros forget this. Uh, I have full confidence in Yankees fans that in year 2032 they will be railing any member of the Astros. They are a very intelligent fan base, and they'll be crushing them. But I think that's a decent point. But I, I, if, if Major League Baseball can't get together with their Players Association and get, get, get their now, it's a major mistake for both parties because this is done. Get in a room, get it done. And if they don't, they're going to lose fans because the NFL is crushing them. The NFL is making crazy trades, free agents. We're doing the draft. And all Rob Manfred could think about is maybe we should cancel the minor league draft. He's a moron. It's it's stupid. It's 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 embarrassing. And uh, I just pray to God these guys can get together and get a get a contract done that takes us through the next four or five years. Because if we come out of this, we get eighty games of baseball, and then we go into the next offseason being like, will we have a season? People are gonna people are gonna go to curling. They're gonna they're gonna join Scott Chu's curling team, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna go go away from baseball. It would be a major major mistake. He's done. That's a rant. Mic drops. Was, I'm done. I'm done. Where's the mic drop? You know, he's bringing. He's, he's, he's and again. He's bringing God into this thing again, Greg. What? See this? You know, it's it's it's, it's always amazing when people are, when they're in these situations where they now we bring God when it's a dire emergency situation, right, Greg? People should have him in your life all the time, correct? That's right. Yes, absolutely. No. <laughs> I, you, you, know, you don't see the altar behind me in the darkness. I'm just throwing him raw meat straight through it. He's just biting, chewing it up. It's perfect. Okay. 
but the, the, the point is, the point is, yeah, if baseball doesn't figure it out that this works, this unintentional work stoppage is not going to kill them enough. They, they're stupid. I thought about the same thing the other day. That they're gonna, that they had to come. This is going to make a wake up call. You know, maybe what they, they see what it's like to have no baseball. It's going to be a nice reminder. You know, when they're not, when there's no stands and there's no games, there's no whatever. I think hopefully both sides will be a little smarter when they come together. And look, don't give football too much credit, okay? Because you know, football is like you know, they're not, we're not talking about mental geniuses necessarily being involved with football either. Look what we're talking about here, okay? Mm-hmm. The collective, the collective IQ of football players is about 100 points less than the average baseball player. So let's get that straight right off the bat, right? That are over there, but they do understand the the money. That's for sure. Because football has become, and, and I watch, I gave up football many, many years ago because it's me become too. like, to me, it's like wrestling now. You know, it's a, it's just a gigantic, high entertainment thing, entertainment thing right now, and that's what the whole thing's about more than the game. So you know, and that, and so the, the the gambling, the parties, the social aspect of the whole thing. I mean, look at fantasy football. You know what it is right now. I mean, half the people that play fantasy football don't even know anything about anything about fantasy football. They just play it. I mean, how many how many people out there have a fantasy football team and they couldn't even tell you the rules of the league they're in practically? You know, that's just the way it is. So, but they're so they're smart. You know, and they understand money, and and that's why they get this stuff done. Baseball, because it's you know the billions they make and they get no matter what with these rich owners. They don't have. There is no incentive there. So hopefully, they'll get smart about this situation, and there'll be baseball. And I'm still, I'm still, I'm telling you, we're. Gonna, I believe strongly there's going to be at least 120 games this season. No, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. So this whole thing is going to blow over, just like whatever it always does. Give it a few more weeks, and let me tell you something. You, you lock down people in America, especially in New York and New Jersey, in their houses for several weeks. Watch how fast. They're not they're 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 playing in their houses, though. They're playing five-on-five five basketball in the park. They're, they're gonna, they're, you know, people are going to want to go out. There's going to be too much money about There's going to be games, okay? I bet you they're going to play all through October. This is my feeling. They'll play through all October to make up a month there, for sure. They'll throw in some doubleheaders. They'll do some stuff like that, you know? You know. So that's what's going to be, okay? So it's going to be, a, it's gonna be a, you know, a season. So it'll be, it'll be happening. So, I just want to say I loved Mike in a Bronx tale. He was phenomenal. Oh, you did. <laughs> By the way, that is that is a huge compliment for the record. Yeah, you did. You did. Was he was he the mush? Was he? No, was it's Jazz Palminteri. It's a huge compliment. It's one of the yeah, greatest of all time. It reminds <laughs> me of Jazz Palminteri in his prime. It's a it's a big compliment, but I. I, I did not expect to see that. I was like, I didn't. Oh, really... go. I'm glad you did. Do me, Zach. Do me a favor. Put, put me on a, on, a, on, a, on a hole for a second. You put me on a hole. Who's controlling this, Craig? Put me on a hole for a second. Yeah, I can. Uh, how do I do that? Put me on a so I step away for a second. Where's my thing? I don't know that this is going to be a video anyway, but um, gonna, uh, you're, I'll have to call you back in. Yeah, you, you can just hang up yourself. There we go. Damn, I was hoping he was going to crap all over our teams. You know, we didn't even talk about baseball, but it was great still. This is why yeah. this, this is why Mike is so great. I mean, yeah. like <laughs> it's really, it's really, it's really a, like a, a skill to get him to talk about baseball. Like you, you really have, you really have to focus. You in. I really want to know who yeah. walked yeah. in and what happened that you, he needed to see, get he's off the call. He's giving, he's giving someone the eyes. He's clearly his wife. Yeah, definitely his wife. <laughs> Because my wife, by the way, if my wife walked in the room, that's exactly what I'd be doing too. But you know, it would be funny if it was like uh, somebody walking in with this coronavirus test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that, but you can say that again. 
I did not realize he was Chad Palminteri. I mean, like, this is a living legend we're talking to. It's phenomenal. <laughs> so. When he comes back, you got to ask him how it is if he, if he tested positive. Like, <laughs> I got I gotta go in a little while, guys. Like, so I don't know how long. How long are you guys planning on? on, on... I, I actually I don't have much longer either. So um... I, yeah, I just I just want to get I just want to get my time to shit on our teams. That's all I wanted. Yeah, yeah but it, you know he did he did his own version of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that was a good episode. Any um, other? Because uh, I, I I I definitely got to drop in like ten. Any other? Because uh, my kids are actually going to do virtual learning tomorrow morning at eight a.m. God bless them. Good yeah, any, any other, uh, um, were there any other like aspects of, uh, of, of the, any other teams that we saw? I mean, we saw Scott grab speed. Were there any other like major trends that you guys saw? The, the, the other, just to kind of kick it off, uh, I noticed that, uh, the team that hunted pitching the longest was Simeone. I think that's, uh, SP Streamer, and he, Waited till round seven and then went Carrasco and Soroka. Yeah, I didn't like that at I all. Like that at all. And then Paxton. Paxton actually. And Ray. Ray Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. You got saved a little bit on Paxton because obviously he was injured at this point, and he would be. The other. The other thing is like, I don't know, man. If you're if, if you're drafting hitters with your first six picks, you better have like everything. And like, so story gives you twenty. Let's just look at steals. Let's say story gives you twenty five. Harper gives you ten. Meadows gives you twenty. Okay, like that's good, but like that's that's like Trey Turner, you know, kind of territory. Like it's good, but it's yeah. like I I would I would have wanted to go with like he took Marte before I took. I was glad he took Marte because he took or sorry Harper before I took Marte. Yeah, if I was in that boat and I was going hitter, 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 I'd have taken Marte instead of Harper there. Well, yeah. got, like you said, in the first, I mean, he's got six. He's got six hitters. Two of the six hitters are going to hit two fifty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one one other is two observations. Um, who is Team Four? Drew Morris. Drew Morris. Thomas so, baseball. I like you look. I like, I love his team, except he is, I mean, he's basically punting speed. Um, you know, he took Billy Hamilton late and, you know, uh, there's just no speed there. But if you ignore that, um, you know, I love the way he started this draft with Cole and Bieber. Um, you know, Real Mudo was a reach, but it's not a terrible one. And then he still managed to fill in those next picks, Mancata, DJ LeMahieu, Castellanos, Ozuna and Fran Mill Reyes. That is a nice core of I, offensive players. I love the seven eight there, Craig. I mean, Castellanos and Ozuna, two of the more underrated players, I think, this year. And, and by the way, Ozuna's gonna give you ten to fifteen steals as well. Yeah. And so like you're talking about like that's those both those guys are like two ninety, thirty, a hundred, a hundred. And then, you know, maybe, you know, Zuna gives you 10, 15 steals, Castellanos gives you nothing. But, like, and then, you, and then, and then you get Reyes on the back of that, and you've got, like, the Franimal power. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the one, the one guy I would say, there, there was another, you know, like I said, a lot of these teams, you know, they all have holes, but um, that flipped crazy at 12. Uh, you know, his thing, you know, so he did get the speed. He did his pocket aces. He got Verlander, Flaherty. 
Then he went Baez, Robles, and Tim Anderson. So now he's got speed and runs. Then he's, I mean, he went batting average. He has Jeff McNeil, Justin Turner, uh, Daniel Murphy. Uh, and the fact that he his third uh, pitcher was Matthew Boyd, I thought that was a nice move right there. Uh, he got Jansen and LeClerc. Uh, but there is, he is going to be suffering for power with this team. He basically got Eddie Rosario and Kyle Schwarber. And most of the other guys there are pitching guys on power. Um, Teoscar Hernandez might yeah, be a nice ball. breakout guy. I like him. Yeah. But, you know, this is kind of what I mean is like either this is indicative of what this draft was, which there was nobody that like I look at their team and I say, man, that team has no holes. They're loaded. Uh, it seems like everybody, you know, the guy who waited on pitching ended up with, you know, uh, SP Streamer, Carrasco, Soroka, Robbie Ray, Paxton. I just, I think that's going to be trouble for him. You know, now you've got um, Batflip Crazies hurting on power. Chu has too much speed, not enough of everything else. I mean, I've got holes, you know, and I'm, you know. Um, I just I, I think that this is an unbelievably competitive league and and one of the ones that I feel like is going to be really enjoyable to follow throughout the year, whatever year we get. But um, I agree. I really and well, one other thing, just going back, bouncing back to team four, since you brought him up, I love the way he did some like back to back picks here. So like Paul DeJong and Brian Reynolds, like that's a in 12 and 13. That's a great pairing right there. It's like it's like average power like those two players together are better than the sum of like they're better than the sum of their parts right i mean it's just it's so nice and then going down later i think crone and, and hosmer also like really good value like those guys are going to rack at bats in this type of league you want at bats like at bats are going to win at bats and innings pitched are what ultimately are going to win you this league yeah yeah. And there was there's one one more team that I think we also missed on when we were talking about uh, who gains from the delay, and that is Ralph's team uh, at at two. He got Glasno and Frankie Montas, both guys I had lower than a lot of other people because I thought I was worried about those innings. Um, Glasno more so than Montas, I think. Yeah, um, you know he's also got David Price down there. Um, two. two. Yep. Uh, you know, and he's his team is actually pretty balanced. Also, uh, um, Dylan, did you say Dylan Carlson? Uh, yes, he did. Yep. No, did you, I like, did you, did you say that? I didn't know. I missed if you. No, I didn't. But I, I actually liked his Brandon Lowe pitch, uh, pick there when he took him. Um, you know, but again, there's guys on 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 this team too. I mean, John Gray. You know, I I don't know why people are still taking John Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Riley, I am not a fan. Um, you know, I'm a checkbox guy. I always say that, you know, uh, here's a guy who still hasn't shown, the, uh, you know, the ability to you know, make uh, consistent contact and he's got playing time issues, warts there. Um, you know, so there, there's some guys later, but his, his first 15 picks, uh, that's a pretty pretty good looking team right there. I, I'll agree with you with with one caveat. I'm not Steve. a huge, uh, I'm not a huge like Jordan Alvarez in the second round. I mean, the 22 year old DH who has bad knees. Yeah, not ET only. And he's working. Yeah. He's got. He's got. He's hurt. Like he can't run. Like and and that's a guy that Dusty 
might not have time for. If you're 22 years old and your knees hurt because you can't run and you're in DH. I mean, like, I don't want to play the dusty narrative out too much because I think it's overplayed, but I think that's one thing. I thought I just, I think, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather have Nelson Cruz and Jordan Alvarez this year. And maybe that's stupid. Like, I, I well, especially with the knees. I mean, that's, that's the problem with, with Nelson Cruz is, you know, you're worried about him missing pockets of games, weeks here and there. And you know what? This yeah. is the equalizer between those two. Exactly. But I, but I do think it's a good team. I like Riley more than you do, but I will tell, I'm will. i 100% with you on Gray. Yeah. I, one of the things about fantasy baseball is you can't have all the information in your head. You can't analyze everything. So I always look for ways that I can like not lose and remove things from my calibration. I have not drafted a Rockies pitcher in, I don't know, how, over a decade. I'm just like, you know what? When... A Rockies pitcher has an above-average year two years in a row. I'll reconsider it. I don't think that's happened since the year 2000. That's I'm, a very. That's probably one of the most logical things anyone has said on this podcast. I'm just like, <laughs> why bother? Like, oh, John, John Gray's off my board completely. Well, I don't own. I don't own him in any league this year. I don't own him in any of my like 15 dynasty leagues. Like he's dead. To none me. of them. Mark has either. Like, when they figure it out, they'll figure it out. And I'll be a year late on it. Fine. But in the meanwhile, I'm not taking – I, I, I don't want the headache. When I put – if I see Colorado at home, the stress that it puts on me to put that guy in my lineup unless he's the closer is just not worth it. Yeah, I also I think there's a, there's a human element to this where, you know, we we got into this and Zach was quick to cut me off when I started touching on the viability of baseball in Colorado uh, to begin with. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's got to be messed with your head where you're just, yeah. when you're a pitcher, you know, keeping runs off the board is like, I mean, that's that's your whole life. And, you know, your home park, you just get bludgeoned. You know, I, I used to live in Florida, and uh, when I would go to Florida Panthers games, they were the away team every time at home. I mean, I went to one, and the, and the Maple Leafs were there, and it was a sea of blue and they never play home games <laughs> like that's got to mess with your head as an athlete yeah. and i feel like pitching in colorado is the same thing it's just you know it, it's got to wear you down over the course of the season yeah, yeah. so guys yeah. do you want to wrap it up we're at, we're at, we're at, we're at midnight here we're at, uh, we're at everyone's time limit i think yeah, no, it was right. good, good podcast right. though. Right. So thanks, guys. Um, I guess we're not going to see you on MTM back on the, on this episode. But Craig, again, follow him. Uh, see McGee five twenty three. That's kind of that kind of has a ring to it. And then at Baseball Pods, you know what? Uh, you're doing great work. Uh, appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate all the retweets and, and strong analysis. Like I think everyone appreciates it. And you know what? You sort of came out of you sort of came out of nowhere, but you're um, you're awesome. So website website is pending, and there will be a Battle of the Baseball podcasts bracketology coming well in coming weeks. Ooh, okay, I like it. Right. <laughs> Exclusive teaser. Maybe maybe if you have a website, you can host that. You can sort of be the host for this Battle of the Podcast League. Next yeah, maybe. It's, it's, it's your thing, man. I'm, I just I uh, I love the idea of the Battle of the Podcast. And so, first of all, like. You know, Justin Mason told me, if you want to get a TGFBI, you have to have a website. And I was like, you've got some pretty trash websites in your league, Justin. But, okay, I'll get a website because I'm going to come here and beat you. Um, but number two, like, the, the battle of the podcast thing, I've been thinking about it for a while. And I think it's a great idea during this kind of quarantine. Baseball podcasts are keeping me sane. And I love them more than anything. And so I'm going to, like, 
try to use this as an opportunity to first i've got uh five tools of what makes the baseball podcast great this is breaking news that it's an article i'll be putting up there and then i'm gonna like the idea is to drive people and listeners to these podcasts through some kind of a tournament so that people will listen to not only the podcasts they listen to all the time but some new podcasts that they've never heard before and then people who are you know have 17 listeners will tell their 17 listeners to vote 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 and we'll and we'll we'll generate some content on so that okay. nice. I, I love completely because i love the work that you guys do online appreciate that you know I, I think it's like i think there's lots of unique things you can do with your brand so um and that's some of the things you just mentioned are awesome so good for you thanks for having me on guys hey we'll do it again for thanks, sure man. 